Welcome to God Mode, Living Life Undefeated. Join us each week as Pastor Chris delivers a message to encourage, challenge, and empower you to live life in God Mode. All messages can be listened to at www.godmode.life. Let's join today's message. Hey, everybody, welcome to God Mode, and thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for all over, just different places in the United States and across the world. Thank you to all our people in India for tuning in and and Pakistan and, and then the United States and York and obviously the great state of Texas. You know, first of all, I want us to turn to one of my favorite scriptures. I don't even know if you're allowed to have a favorite scripture. If not, forgive me, Lord, I do. And it's Colossians chapter 1. And Paul writes from verse 13, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. I mean, we could just stop right there and just say, praise God and be encouraged for the rest of our lives. He has rescued us. It doesn't say he will rescue us. He has rescued us, and it's a done deal on the cross. And it says that you know. In the Greek word, the word rescue, the Greek is erosado. Erosado. It literally means to snatch to oneself. And if you want an image in your head to go along with that translation, I guess it would be like a child running out into the street and there's a car coming. And the parent, the mother or the father, will see the thing that is about to happen, will run out and snatch the child out of harm's way. That is what God did with you and me. He saw the harm that was coming and he snatched us out to himself through Christ Jesus. But you know what? It doesn't stop there. It goes on. He says he has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. You know, we're not just saved from something. We're saved to something. We're not just snatched out of the kingdom of darkness and then placed in some kind of spiritual no man's land awaiting heaven one day. You have been rescued from the kingdom of darkness, and you have been saved into the kingdom of his beloved son. Amen? I mean, this is amazing. I mean, it's incredible. And if that's a fact, which it is, that you're already placed in Christ in that kingdom from now on, it's all about integration. You know, when you move from one nation to another, it's all about integration. You need to learn the culture of the new nation. You need to learn the value system of the new nation. You have to learn the language of the new nation. And if you don't, there's going to be problems. That's why the Holy Spirit is sent to help us to come in line with the culture of the kingdom of heaven, to help us come in line with the value system of this brand new kingdom and help us to start speak the language of this brand new kingdom, so we'll become ambassadors of this kingdom. And it's interesting the way it goes on. It says about this son whose kingdom this is, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's interesting that when Paul speaks about Christ and this kingdom that you are now saved into, one of the first things he says is that this kingdom is all about the forgiveness of sins. If we need to understand anything in the kingdom of God, first of all, we need to understand forgiveness. 
We need to understand the vertical part of forgiveness, which is God forgiving us from our sins. And we need to understand the horizontal part of forgiveness, us forgiving those who have trespassed against us. Because vertical and horizontal pays, really pays the picture of the cross, full redemptive power of Jesus Christ. And when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he told us to pray about forgiveness, forgiveness of our sins, the vertical part, like we, we forgive those who have trespassed against us. The vertical and the horizontal, they connect and they must go hand in hand. Now, the first thing we need to understand in this, in order for us to approach the theme of forgiveness is the perspective that releases forgiveness. The perspective that releases forgiveness. And I want to read with you a parable from Matthew chapter 18. This is really Jesus responding to a question from Peter. And Peter is asking, how many times do I need to forgive someone? You just want to know the backstory of that question, don't you? How many times do I have to, to, in order to be a disciple, do I have to forgive somebody who has hurt me or sinned against me? And as a part of Jesus' answer, that is, that is interesting question, he shares a parable like he does so many times. And he talks about the kingdom of heaven being like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me, I will pay you all. And then the master of the servant was moved with compassion released him and forgave his debts. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He laid his hands on him and took him by the throat. I mean, this is serious, saying, you pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet, begging him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not. But he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Now, we might read this story and we might get the basics. We understand that there's a king must be representing God and the servant could be you and me. And we've been forgiven a lot. And then as we are hesitant and unwilling to forgive our fellow men, that will lead us and uh, make sense. But the thing is this. That is such a great part of the story, such a great part of the punchline that Jesus is trying to make is found in the currencies he is using. It's found in the meaning of talents and the denarii. And of course, when we read them 2,000 years later in another part of the world, we're normally not don't deal with talents or denarii on a daily basis. We really risk losing the whole entire perspective. So I'm just going to come and try to explain this to you and what Jesus is really trying to say. And I do pray and I do believe that this might well open up your eyes and give you a new understanding of the perspective of forgiveness. Okay. So let's make this very, very clear, visible right here. We have two relationships in this story. We have this one with the king and the servant, and there's a debt involved of 10,000 talents which means absolutely nothing to most of us at this point. 
which is about to change. And we have also another relationship, which is that same servant and another guy that there's a debt of 100 denarii. Now, how could we kind of translate the value of this money into something that we would even remotely be able to relate to? Well, of course, as the Bible translators are working, they will always avoid to include certain numbers. Because if they will write so-and-so many dollars, and then there would be like 10 or 20 years, and that number would be irrelevant because of inflation, right? And changes and financial changes. But there's actually one way for us to get a hold of this estimated value of money. Even through things, changes, and, and we're on the other side of the world, it doesn't matter. And that's by using one day's wage. Because one day's wage, the average amount of money that you would earn in a day would be about the same. Even though the sum would be different, the value would be pretty much the same. All right, you understand? I mean, it would be pretty much the amount of money needed for you to pay off your mortgage every month, get a little food on the table, buy a piece of clothing, whatever you need for a decent life. It will be included in one day's wage. Now, in Jesus' days, one day's wage would be one denarius, or translated sometimes as a silver coin. So one denarius equals one day's wage. Now, what about the talents? One talent. Are you okay with a little bit of math? Come on. Okay, we're going to do some math. One talent equals 6,000 denarii. That's 6,000 days of work. So that would be, you know, that would be our modern equivalent of that. Well, I've did some research, and it turns out that the United States in, uh, in 2021, the average daily wage was $154.64. Now, there will be some people earning more and some people earning less, but that is the national average. So that will be like a modern-day equivalent of that. One Daenerys would be $154.64. So one talent is 6,000 denarii. One denarii would be 154.64. That means one talent is $927,840. That is one talent, one. This guy owed the king 10,000 talents. That really would be $9,278,400,000. First question I got is, I want to know how he, how did he spend it? I mean, what happened here? And how did he still stay a servant? I mean, what is going on? This is a crazy amount of money. And of course, the whole intention of Jesus. Why is he given this crazy, like universe space amount of money? Because he wants to tell his disciples that we all had a debt before God that we would never, ever be able to pay back. Even though that guy, which is really pathetic in the parable, he says, just give me a little time. I mean, really, that's the male positive irresponsible at its worst point. Just just wait, I'll figure it out. I'll find a way. No, you're not. There's no way you'll be able to pay back $9 billion in debt. And we were in the same position. No good work, no religious deed could ever pay back our debts. That's why we needed a savior. And that's why God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I love that. So remember that, nine billion. Now let's go, let's go over this here. What is the debt then? A hundred denarii? 
We know the basics of the math, 100 denarii times 154.64, it would make it 15,464 US dollars. Now, why is Jesus choosing that amount? You think he's got a point? I don't think Jesus says anything by accident. You see, $15,000 is a significant debt. I mean, it's a lot of money, right? I mean, if somebody owed you $15,000 and then one day said, sorry, I can't pay it back, to most of that, that's, it would really be a problem. Most of us, we're not in the position we can just let go of $15,000. The point Jesus is trying to make is that this guy really owed a lot of money. And maybe that's your situation. Maybe somebody owed you a lot of money. Maybe somebody did wrong and it hurts. Maybe you got your heart broken. Maybe somebody treated you bad and there's no excuse for that. Maybe there is a considerable debt involved between you and somebody else. And as long as you stay focused on the perspective of that debt only, those $15,000, it will look like a big amount. And you're technically right. But here's the point. 15000 is only a lot of money until you compare it to the 9278400000 And that's the perspective of forgiveness. Jesus is not saying that this amount over here is small and insignificant and can be easily forgotten. But what he asks us to do is simply take a few steps back and compare it with the debt that he has canceled in your life. And the more we look at this, the more eager we will be to let go of that. However, if we fix our eyes on that, that alone, we can say, I have the right. Maybe you do. You're taking your eyes off of this. Now, if I was the devil and I'm happier that I'm not, I would work overtime to try to have you not see this. Try to steer your mind away from this, just to focus your eyes on the debt, that 15000 that somebody owed you. Someone that did something bad to you. And I would just try to do whatever I could to bring your eyes away from the fact that God has forgiven you of such much more than that. The main way he does that is through pride. Pride that kills forgiveness. Because you know what? We are not forgiven automatically just because we are children of God. We are forgiven the sins that we confess you know, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. Pride will have you think, Nah, there is no $9 billion. I'm not that bad. I'm not quite that well. And all of a sudden, you're playing down the fact that God has to send his son to die for your sins and mine. And this is the very reason why God hates pride. Repeatedly in the Bible, God hates pride more than any of all the other sins. Why? Because pride will rob you of blessing. Pride will block our hearts so that we don't see our own need of forgiveness. And because we don't, we will not be very eager to forgive others. Because everything else we see, all we see is that 15000 that somebody owed. And this is why we cannot stop speaking about sin. Because if we delete sin from our concept of Christianity, then we rob the people of the blessing of forgiveness. Amen?
Because it's only as we confess, and in confessing, we are punching down our pride. We are saying guilty as charged, but we are also opening up our hearts for the miracle of forgiveness. Sin is only a problem if there is no forgiveness. But if there is forgiveness, and it is, then realizing that I am in daily need of the grace of God and the forgiveness of God is the door opener to a brand new world of freedom. You know, as we realize this and as I realize, I am constantly reminding myself of the nine billion that God has erased from my debt account. Then I become a different person in my mentality, in my perspective, and more than anything, there is a peace that comes, the peace that is found in forgiveness. I've seen that peace in my own life, and I've seen it in the lives of others. You know, I want to share a story with you, and this time I want to tell you about a girl named Sarah. Now, I heard uh, this Sarah, this Sarah, this was numbers of years ago. She was 16 at the time, and she was raised in a completely secularized environment. No, absolutely no influence of Christianity or church or anything. Her parents were atheists, and Sarah was raised without a concept of religion or the gospel of Jesus Christ. But she attended a high school. She came in contact with a few young people from our youth church, and they shared Jesus with her. And initially, she thought they were crazy. But then she was really curious and really interested. And for weeks and weeks, she asked all her questions about God and eternity and purpose and forgiveness. And all that, eventually, Sarah gave her life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Sarah became a Christian. She became a girl on fire. She was there. I mean, she was like this revolutionary thing just happened in her life. She started sharing the gospel with everyone. I mean, and their grandma, anybody she saw, every time she saw someone, she would share Jesus with him or her. She became known all over her school. The girl that used to be an atheist started to run Christian concerts in her school, run major Jesus events that would share the gospel with so many people in her school. And this major revival broke out in her secular school. You know, so I hadn't met her yet, but I'm hearing stuff about this girl. And she's just a few months old in her faith, but she's just going crazy for Jesus here. But then all of a sudden, I heard a different kind of news. I heard that Sarah had just been diagnosed with a serious form of cancer. And this diagnosis happened way too late. It spread all over her body and left her hardly any chance of survival. And I got a hold of Sarah's phone number and I dialed her number. And this would be the first time that I actually talked to her. I mean, so many thoughts were running through my mind. How is she coping with this? She's brand new in the Lord. What's left of her faith? What's left on fire? Her zeal, her passion. So I heard Sarah pick up the phone on the other end said, hello. And I said, hey, Sarah, this is Pastor Chris. And she went, Pastor, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I can't wait to tell you what God is doing in my school. And then she started going on and on. And there were praises and hallelujahs and all sorts of things in there. And I was just thinking of mine, is she in denial? You know, hasn't she really caught up with the news? And is she just trying to push reality away and covering up and saying things that I might, she thinks I might like to hear? But then after about some 20 minutes, when she finally stopped to breathe, I said, okay, Sarah, that's amazing. That's beautiful. However, I heard and I just realized that you had some really hard news. And she said, oh, you mean the cancer? I said, yeah, matter of fact. And then we had, the, had a conversation 
And it turns out she knew about the seriousness of her situation. And of course, she had question marks and we talked. But then she says this, Pastor, there's been a few Christian brothers and sisters of mine that have been saying things like, God can heal people. And that would be great if he would. But here's the way I see it. And I'll never forget the words that came out of her mouth after that statement. Here's the way I see it. I know that my sins are forgiven. Even if I die from this, I'm ready to go. I just have one concern, one thing that is important to me, and that is to bring as many people to me to heaven as possible in the time that I have left in this world. And as you can guess, if you know me, tears were running down my face because I felt I was overwhelmed by the peace that came out of the life of a 16-year-old girl who just met Jesus Christ a few months ago. The peace that was connected to perfect circumstances, rather than the opposite, really, but the peace that was connected to the fact that she knew that $9 billion had been canceled from her debt account. And whatever happens from me now on, I'll never, ever change that fact. Whatever the devil will try to throw at my face can never change the fact that I am forgiven. And I know where I'm going when it's my time. Now, praise God, Sarah survived. And I cannot stand here and say it was an easy route. It was like 10 years of prayer and chemo and radiation and treatment. But you know, today, Sarah's completely cancer-free. She's married to a great guy. They've been missionaries in Thailand for many years. They adopted a beautiful little Thai girl and they're as their own daughter. But you see, the main point of this story is not only the fact that Sarah survived, but the fact that Sarah knew about forgiveness. And that knowledge made her push through. Though her life might be short or long, that was secondary to her because she understood that peace comes from forgiveness. And throughout her entire treatment, she kept sharing Jesus with other people, with doctors, with nurses, and basically anyone who came into her path. That's the peace that comes from forgiveness and the peace that God wants to give you wherever you are listening right now, whether you're on your phone, your laptop, or wherever you are. There is a peace to be found, but there's only peace on the other side of forgiveness, of accepting the fact that Jesus paid the price for you and that whatever you've done cannot, isn't so bad that it will not be covered by the power of his blood. He is ready to cleanse you. He's ready to erase all your debts from your account. But before I pray to you, I just want to end with one more testimony. Now I want to end with a, saying a few words about the power that is unleashed through forgiveness. The power that is unleashed. Because you know what? When you forgive someone, you have no idea what you put in motion. When you forgive someone, when you let someone go, even though they've hurt you, you have no idea of the consequences that will come out of that. You know, a number of years ago, I think it was around 2015, February, a group of ISIS warriors led 21 young Egyptians down to the beach in Libya, North Africa. These Christians, were they were forced to kneel down, and the spokesperson of ISIS made a statement that these people of the cross, that's the way he referred to them, these Christian young men, they were not worthy of living. And all 21 young Christian men were executed on that day by ISIS on that beach. And the ISIS videotaped the whole thing, put it on YouTube in an attempt to scare Christians from staying in their faith. 
an attempt to motivate them to leave behind the faith in the cross and hide under the darkness of terror, hide from the impact of the strong and mighty ISIS. However, this thing had exactly the opposite effect all over Egypt. It spread like wildfire. Even though Egypt is an Islamic nation, everybody was concerned because these were Egyptian citizens. And they brought in the mother of one of these executed young men into a TV studio just a week after this horrible event. And it was the biggest talk show in the nation. And the talk show host asked if these men that had killed her son and his friends, if you have them, if you could do anything to them, what would you do? What punishment would be enough? And she looked into the camera and said, you know what? I only wish for all these men to find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. I only wish for all these men who took the lives of my son and the 20 other Christian young men that they would know the love of Jesus Christ, that they will find true life and true forgiveness through faith in him. That's my one desire. And her words spread over the entire nation and shocked the entire nation of Egypt because it was clear to them what religion, what faith was strong enough to forgive even such a horrible crime. And it led to a national revival all over Egypt with tens of thousands of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. When you choose to forgive, you have no idea what you put in motion. And you know what? I want to pray for you right now. Maybe you're out there and you're struggling with someone who did something to you and you haven't been able to let go. There was a debt of $15,000 and you've been looking at it for a long time. You know what? It's time to get your eyes on the $9 billion that God has forgiven us from. Right now, I do believe that the Spirit is calling your heart to let go, to be generous in forgiving others that God has been forgiving you. So right now, would you just open up your heart and get ready to allow the Spirit of God to move into that dark area and set you free so that you can experience the peace that comes from forgiveness and also unleash the miracles that will take place as a result of you forgiving others like God has forgiven you. Father, we thank you so much in Jesus' name. We thank you for that debt of $9 billion that you cleared from our debt accounts. And we thank you for forgiveness and salvation in Christ Jesus. Father, forgive us when we've been too full of pride and that we haven't acknowledged our own need for forgiveness. And because we haven't gotten the perspective right, we've been less eager to forgive who have trespassed against us. But Father, we let go in Jesus' name of the people who have hurt us, just like you erased our sins and debt. And Father, right now, I ask for anyone that makes a decision of the peace that passes all understanding to move right in their hearts and their souls. And I pray that many, many miracles, many healed relationships will be unleashed through the power of forgiveness. And I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in again today. And I pray that your heart is full and that you're encouraged that you're challenged, and that you're empowered to live a life undefeated in Christ. We'll see you next week when we begin a brand new series, and I hope that you'll be able to tune in. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. You can hear all of Pastor Chris's messages at www.godmode.life. Join us next week as we continue on in this series please leave a review of this podcast at podchaser.com.